And so if you're someone that has a lot of guilt in their heart today, you can be done with it. Because Jesus is done with it. He has judged you not guilty already. And if you are a person who is working and working and working and working to try and outwork what's going on in your heart, please, please rest from that today. Please rest in your heart because you know that Jesus is resting because he already did the work. And if you're somebody who has anxiety in their heart of not knowing what God will say about them when judgment day comes, stop being anxious. your name has already been written it has already been written in the book of life the sermon that you're about to hear is from Pastor Paul Borman at Hope Lutheran Church located in Tigard, Oregon for more information and for more content go to hopeintigard.com God has been at work on something in us from the beginning of time. He has been at work on his judgment of our hearts. And we know from God's word, we know from the text that we're about to read that his judgment of our hearts is that we are not guilty. I'll let the writer of the Hebrews tell you all about it. We'll read from Hebrews chapter 9 verses 24 through 28. For Christ did not enter a sanctuary made with human hands that was only a copy of the true one. He entered heaven itself, now to appear for us in God's presence. Nor did he enter heaven to offer himself again and again, the way the high priest enters the most holy place every year with the blood that is not his own. Otherwise, Christ would have had to suffer many times since the creation of the world. But he has appeared once for all, at the culmination of the ages, to do away with the sin by the sacrifice of himself. Just as people are destined to die once and after that to face judgment, so Christ was sacrificed once to take away the sins of many. And he will appear a second time, not to bear sin, but to bring salvation to those who are waiting for him. This is God's word. I'm not going to make any bones about this at all today. I want you to be excited about judgment. And yeah, I know how weird that sounds, but I want you to be excited about judgment. I want you to be anxious for it in all the best possible ways. I want you to long for it. You know, the kind of longing that you have for a vacation that's just a couple days away. Or the kind of longing that you have when you know that the baby is going to come at any moment. Or the longing that you're feeling in your chest when, when the day of your wedding was 300 days away, now it was two days away. You long for that day. And I think all of you can, can understand and relate with that feeling that you have in your belly when you're just looking at the clock every 10 minutes because you're so excited. And every time you look at the clock, it feels like an hour has gone by, but it's only five minutes. 
we can feel that way about the entirety of our lives. And we can feel that way because the best day of our life is still coming. It's still coming. So I want you to be excited about that. I want you to be anxious for that day. I want you to be longing for that. That's what the writer is saying. That's pretty clear, right? He doesn't ask you to do anything except wait. He wants you to be excited for that day. And what's that day I'm talking about? It's, it's judgment day. The New Testament Christians they, they used this word as a kind of lingo to talk about this promise that Jesus gave them that he was going to come back a second time, a final time, and he's going to judge everyone and everything. He's going to judge them good or not, morally acceptable or morally unacceptable, and the bad people he's going to lock away forever so that he can give his children the perfect life forever. And I want you to be excited about that. I want you to be excited about that, longing for it, thinking about it. This is the best day of all. But you know, I don't think that many people are excited about that day. And so I got a couple arguments to start off with here about why you can be excited about judgment. The first one is, this is your first sermon note, by the way, if you'd like to keep track on your worship card. Judgment means that your life matters. Judgment means that your life matters. It it, it divinely and eternally matters. I mean, you're living a real life. You're not living in a computer. You're not living in a simulation. This is real life. You are really here. You are really living. And I think you can be excited about that. That the living that you're doing, the loving that you're doing, the serving that you're doing, it, it matters divinely, sacredly, cosmically, eternally. It matters. And you know, I think anybody that would argue that God shouldn't judge people really is saying something else. Really, a, a person who says that God shouldn't judge people is really saying that lives don't matter because they're not worth judging. If your life is not worth judging, not worth examining, not worth looking at, then yeah, God shouldn't judge because it doesn't matter. But what I'm telling you this morning is that your life does matter. And so God looks at it. It matters and I hope that you can be electrified by that this morning. Every part about your life is sacred and it matters. And you know, I'm not just excited about what judgment says about our lives, I'm also excited about what judgment teaches us about God. Because judgment teaches us about our God, this is your second sermon note, by the way, it teaches us that our God is not cold. He's not disassociated, he's not distant from us. Our God is present He's active. He's loving. You know, again, I've heard people argue about this, that that they think that God should be tolerant of people and the things that they do. 
And it sounds good on the surface, but I'll tell you this, that nobody wants a tolerant God. Nobody. Nobody would want a God who is truly tolerant, who looks at the things that happen in the world, the things like rape and murder and war, a tolerant God who looks at that and tolerates it and says, okay. Nobody wants a God who looks at those things and says, okay, and nobody wants a God who looks at the even bigger things and says, okay. Things like hopelessness, lovelessness, faithlessness. Nobody wants a God like that because that God is a monster. Our God is not like that. He is warm, he is caring, he is loving, he is active, he is hurting, he is angering, he is sorrowing at the things that hurt us. And so he judges. You know, I think I can kind of understand this in a totally amateur hour kind of way. (laughs) I love my kids. But what kind of dad would I be if I were to tolerate the abuse and the oppression of my kids? What kind of dad would I be if I, if I saw horrible things happening to my children and I said, okay. I don't think anybody in this room would call me a dad anymore. They would call me a monster and they'd take my kids away from me and they would rightly do that. And so I defend my kids out of love for them. And that's what God does infinitely for us. He's active in his love. He loves people. I mean, what does the Bible say about him? The Bible says that God is love. That is his essence. That is his character. That's who he is. God is love. And you have to understand this about love, especially when it comes to God's love. That love roars. Love roars on behalf of the one it loves. It will not tolerate the abuse and oppression of the one that it loves. And so it roars, and so it judges. And what that means is that God will infinitely go to war against those who fight against his plan to give his children a perfect eternal life. And I think that's something that we can get excited about. That's something that we can long for. But again, I don't think that most people are excited about it. And I really don't think that most Christians are excited for a day like Judgment Day. And a reason for that is I think over the last decade or maybe 20 years or so, we've really rebranded the church in modern America. And I think we've rebranded it in a a way that's not always helpful. I've heard things that that are really confusing to people. I've heard churches advertise that their church is a judgment-free zone. And in a lot of ways, that's really good. When it comes to the people in the church, we cannot judge each other. But also, I think that rebranding isn't helpful. 
You know, I've also heard something else from the church that's a really popular thing that people say now. It's not from the Bible. It's where people will say that God hates the sin but loves the sinner. That's not in the Bible. God is not okay with sin in any way. I think we've misbranded the church and we've taken away the opportunity for people to come to church and really deal with the judgment, the guilt that is in their hearts. Because the church is not meant to function as a judgment-free zone when it comes to God. It's meant to be a place where someone can come and have judgment on their hearts and effectively deal with it in God's name. I'll take a big step here and say that I think that the church is the one place on earth where it is not okay to be okay. It's not okay to walk into the doors of the church and be convinced that you don't need what is being offered. The church is the one place where you can come with judgment on your heart. It's the one place where you don't have to deal with that by yourself. It's the one place where you're expected to come in and acknowledge that you are not okay. And acknowledge that to God himself so that you can receive, so that you can receive true healing. Because that true healing is what God has been up to since the beginning of time. Since Adam and Eve fell into sin, this is what God has been doing. He's been working his plan. He's been putting it into action so that our sins can be forgiven. I could walk you from in every Bible story, in the Old Testament, all the way through the New Testament, and I could show you how God is working for your salvation. But I think all I need to do today is point to Jesus for this. How his life, his, his birth in Bethlehem, how his perfect life on earth, how his teaching, how his innocent death on the cross, how his miraculous resurrection on Easter Sunday, how all of that was for you. It was so that you could have a new heart that's free from guilt, free from judgment, a heart that God will look at on Judgment Day and will say, this is my child. I want to push hard into this this morning. Do you know what the essence of Christianity is? This is the essence of Christianity. The essence of Christianity is that you can know what God says about you. This is your third sermon note. You can know what God says about you before Judgment Day. You can know what God is saying about you in heaven at this very moment that you are a child of God. You are saved and redeemed. Your heart is guiltless. You are never going to suffer. Because Christ suffered for you, and you know what that means. 
for you right now. It means that you can stop suffering right now. And so if you're someone that has a lot of guilt in their heart today, you can be done with it. Because Jesus is done with it. He has judged you not guilty already. And if you are a person who is working and working and working and working to try and outwork what's going on in your heart, please, please rest from that today. Please rest in your heart because you know that Jesus is resting because he already did the work. And if you're somebody who has anxiety in their heart of not knowing what God will say about them when judgment day comes, stop being anxious. Because your name has already been written. It has already been written in the book of life. Yeah, I'm pushing in on that. Because I want you to be excited about this today. One final thing, just think about this. Think about what the writer said, that this is the culmination of the ages. God isn't doing something bigger than this. The culmination of all of the ages was Jesus' death on the cross and his resurrection. God isn't working a greater plan that this is only a small part of. The great plan of salvation has already been done, and it was done for you. You have been judged not guilty. There's only one final chapter. It's going to go like this. Jesus is going to come back a second time. Like the writer said, he's not coming to bear sin like he did last time. He's coming to bring salvation. Salvation from your hurts, from your diseases, from your guilt, from your sin. People of God, you will see this. Just you wait. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, I don't think there's any topic in the whole Bible that can be scarier than thinking about your own personal judgment because we know what you should say about us. But you came to shed your blood because you refused to say it. Give us faith, Lord, to hear your voice speaking into our lives even now that you consider us innocent. Give us joy in this. Lord, I want to pray the prayer in closing now that your church has prayed for centuries. Lord Jesus, we are your bride. We are waiting for you. Come quick.